today we're, we're talking about recession, inflation. Um, that's an interesting topic that everyone is wanting to hear about. So obviously you and I talked before this and we both agree this isn't like 2008, 2009. Sure. Um, yeah, in 2008, you know, or pre-2008, pre I think we had uh, different lending conditions. You know, you had lenders that were giving um, loans out to people that... If you that, sneezed. That, yeah, they should not have. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, no-doc loans. Basically, you, you basically put... You had a heartbeat, they would qualify they you would, for a loan. They would, yeah. And, uh, and you didn't even need to be from Arizona, no, like exactly. United States. You could be from Ex anywhere in the world, Exactly, basically. and so people were getting loans, you know, first loans on, on properties that they probably shouldn't have. And uh, then a lot of people were getting home equity loans, taking out the equity, and then who knows what they were doing with the money. Some people were going out and buying other homes with it. Some people were buying boats with it and, and cars, and which was not a very smart thing to do. Uh, but uh, So it wasn't very controlled back then. Like, what, yeah. there was just no, like, control over like all I saw was Arizona but I knew like yeah what happened all like, over happened all over the country yeah. and and after the crash you know lending um, you know restrictions really tightened up and and so you know I, you know we didn't we don't ha I don't we right now we don't have the same market conditions that we had back then just because of the the faulty loan system so right right uh, and we learned from that yeah I, I think the lenders learned you know a lot of lenders went uh, went out of business um, you know, I represented um, some uh, mortgage companies and banks that uh, are no longer in existence anymore because, um, uh, you know, they were trying to scurry to, you know, file lawsuits and do uh, foreclosures on a lot of their properties. And the lenders were the lenders were. Yeah. In 2008, 2009. And, you know, a lot of them just couldn't keep up. And um, the FDIC came in. and I, I represented the FDIC for a short period of time. Um, after the crash, and so the FDIC came in, took over some lending institutions' uh, loans, and you know wound up doing the foreclosures. And um, so I did a lot of that between um, probably 2009, 2012, representing FDIC as a big client. So. The worst part was that as an investor, we'd have property that we were flipping on the market. The, they were supposed to close on the loan. All of a sudden, we hear the lender collapse. The lender went yeah. out of business. So we're like, oh, shoot, now we have to, you know, find another lender. And it was just a trickle effect. We knew overnight everything you would hear every day. Hey, another lender went out of business. They we, we had loans with Washington Mutual back in the day. And like they were trying to take our properties that we, sure. you know, had as investments. And well, and I'm still um, I'm still seeing kind of the effect of that. You know, we talked a little bit about how I do real property tax lien foreclosures. And I still will see every now and again an old um, loan from a company that's long gone, and we have to name that company in our tax lien lawsuit to, to wipe out the, the old loans. Um, so because the, the deed of trusts are still recorded against the property. Interesting. So even though the so lenders 13 not, years ago. Yeah. So even though the lenders are not actively out there pursuing the the, the loan, the deeds of trusts are still recorded against the property. So we got to you know uh, strip those off through our foreclosures. So. So yeah, I still I still see the impact to this wow. day. Wow! So. Wow! And um, as an attorney, John, what um, did you learn through that whole experience of you know the two thousand eight, two thousand nine? I mean, obviously, there's movies now. There's like that was historic, like The Big Short. We watched a number of 
uh, amazing movies, but that was probably once in our lifetime, hopefully, that... Well, hopefully. Um, you know, there's a few things that I learned during that uh, period of time. Uh, one of them for the benefit of uh, property owners. Uh, you know, Arizona has a pretty good anti-deficiency law. So if your home gets upside down... Okay. Um, and uh, this was happening a lot with, with people, you know, um, they would buy... Uh, high in the market 2016 2017 then we had the crash and then they were upside down on their homes and so um, They you know, they may have lost their jobs and they couldn't afford their mortgages and again um, People were getting into mortgages that were not 30-year fixed. They were maybe a five-year arm mm -hmm. And so, you know, the five-year arm was becoming due all of a sudden, you know, maybe they were paying only interest only uh, at a low interest rate and then all of a sudden the five-year uh, or three or five year, whatever it was, would shift kicks and in. kicks yeah. in, and then their their mortgage payments go from eight hundred dollars a month to three thousand dollars a month, and so people were having to walk away from their homes or do short sales or modifications, and so one of the things that you know I really uh, learned from that was you know we had a really good anti deficiency law which basically says uh, homes that are two and a half acres or less, single family home or or two family home. That, and if you're upside down and you do happen to have to just walk away, that um, you know, the lender can't sue you for a deficiency. Ah. And so that was one of the things that came out of that. We were able to parlay that into um, um, assistance with people with short sales and modifications because uh, we would negotiate with the lenders and say, hey, um, you, know, you need to take this, this short sale deal because you can't sue the borrower for uh, a deficiency. And so we were able to, to... Can you explain what a short sale is to so, yeah, so, people that so, are watching yeah, that don't know? Yeah, so yeah, we don't see a lot of short sales now, but that's all that was going on in 2010, remember, 2011, yes, 2012. So, so yeah, short sales is basically where um, the, uh, the mortgage is more than what the home is, is, uh, is worth. Okay. And you're selling the home basically for, uh, than, for less than the mortgage. And so you're basically you're shorting the mortgage. That's what. So what say it's short sale. it's worth three hundred. Yeah. So yeah, you might have a house that's worth three hundred thousand, but the borrower borrowed uh, the homeowner borrowed five hundred thousand, and it was the the lender five hundred thousand. So so he's two hundred underwater basically. Yeah. So it was what's worth exactly. So it was a three party transaction. So not only did you have to have a buyer and a seller, you had to have the lender come in and agree to the to accept that price of three hundred. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. To get to get the household. Otherwise, you know, the bar, the borrower would, would either have to do some sort of modification or would have to walk away. Yeah. And I love, as an investor, I love short sales. Like realtors would bring me those and sure. we'd buy a bunch of them back then. And, but again, as the owner of that property, that would free them up to do, like it wouldn't go against them, right? On, maybe on credit, but they couldn't, the lender couldn't come back and sue sure. them. Is that how yeah. it works? So essentially, yeah, um, they couldn't be sued for a deficiency. The missed payments would, would basically come up on their credit report for a few years. But after, I think it's two years, three years, they drop off. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, having some missed payments is better than having a foreclosure on your credit report. Because uh, that stays on there for, uh, what, seven or eight years? Yeah. And yeah. so, um, you know, the short sales was definitely the way to go. And a lot of people did just bail. A lot of people just walked away, and and I, I really wish those people would have uh, talked to a lawyer at the time and for sure and, and learned for about sure. what their rights were. And, and and I was doing a lot of that. I was doing a lot of um, short sale modification, uh, foreclosure uh, consultations. Just people wanted to know their rights because no one so, knew about it back no. then. And uh, 
I actually was able to do a short sale, but I also had a property with M&T Bank. I don't know if you know who they were, but they were based out of New York. Mm -hmm. So I was working with all the paperwork, sending them everything. One day I get this notice, we foreclosed on your property. I'm like, <laughs> you foreclosed, yeah. what? I thought we were in negotiation yeah, here. Yeah, that happened they to just a lot like, of people, yeah. They would, they, right, would, they right would from me. They would start. They would notice the trustee sale and then start the modification, um, and then yeah, you know, it was one hand not knowing what the left hand was doing. Gotcha. And so um, the right hand not knowing what the left hand was doing, and so you'd have one department trying to modify, one part department trying to do the foreclosure. Yeah, I'm and like, what are so, you talking about? You yeah, <laughs> foreclose. So, I'm, I'm working was, with someone right now to get yeah. this modified, but that was painful. Yeah, it was very painful, and. Um, Unfortunately, um, yeah, during that time, you'd have lenders that would have a lot of turnover in their modification departments. And so you'd, one day you're talking to, to Jack, you know, two days later you're talking to Ed. For sure. And, yeah. so, and, and it, it's like, didn't you just notate this in the computer? Yeah. And you'd have to start the whole thing over. Yeah. And so. Uh, <laughs> Send us another package. Okay? A lot, I had a lot of lawsuits uh, during that time frame. You know, a lot, a lot of lenders making, you know, misrepresentations. Maybe not, you know, intentionally, but uh, we had a lot of people who uh, were promising, um, like a lot of the lenders at the time would say, okay, well, you do a temporary payment plan. You know, you make three three months of payment. I good, remember. Good, good yes. faith payments. Yes. And then, you know, we'll get you a, a, a modification. And um, sometimes the lenders would just say modification. They wouldn't really say what that meant. But, you know, people really needed a principal reduction. You know, sometimes they would get... It was so scary. Yeah. It was so uneasy, too, yeah. because you may not hear from them for two weeks. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was just yeah. a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Thankfully, but, uh, we're not going to, I mean, have that type of situation. Yeah, I don't situation. think we'll, we'll, we'll have that again. But uh, the other thing that came from, um, from that time frame was uh, I learned um, uh, a, a real estate investment tool that I didn't okay. really know about. It was something I never learned in law school. But um, uh, it's called real property tax lien investing. And so um, every property, whether it's vacant land, residential properties, or commercial properties, um, you know, you have to pay property taxes. Real property tax liens? Yeah, real okay. property tax liens. So if you don't pay your property taxes to the county, uh, the county will put a lien on your property. And uh, Who's responsible for those taxes? Well, the, the, ultimately the homeowner or the property owner. The property owner, the property but sometimes... Owner. Guys, you got to be careful when you're taking out private money loans because the lender isn't going to pay those taxes always. So you got to make sure as the owner that you're paying your taxes because sure. I've had that before where they send different counties will send me notices. You're late on taxes. Yeah, generally um, most uh, big lenders, they... Traditional banks. Traditional yeah. banks, they, they recognize that there's a risk for them if the taxes are not paid so they do they handle that yeah they do as part of your mortgage payment they will have the taxes um, you will be paying the taxes to the mortgage company and then the mortgage company pays the taxes and that's typically how it's done but there are lenders out there that don't do that yeah so you, especially you gotta, if you use private hard yeah. money yeah people de that definitely hard money will community, not do, <laughs> you gotta make not, sure so, yeah so yeah so it's very important um, and so essentially if people don't pay their property taxes uh, two years after the taxes road the uh, county will sell the tax liens to investors. And um, there's two um, pros for doing it. Uh, the first is uh, potentially, uh, depending on who's uh, bidding at the auction, um, you know, the interest rate can be up to 16% per annum 
uh, on the return on your investment. And tax liens range anywhere from a few hundred dollars to you know tens of thousands of dollars, depending on the property. Um, and so you know you have to look at that. But there's there's really tax lien opportunities um, for in every state. Uh, every state has them. Um, I I only know the Arizona system. Because um, are they all similar but yeah, different? Yeah, they're similar. Some states are, you know, in Arizona, you pretty much need to have an attorney when you get to the foreclosure stage. Hey guys, quick announcement. I just launched my new passive income accelerator course. In this course, you'll learn how I built my Airbnb portfolio to 10 properties and growing while amassing three to $5,000 per property per month. If you want to learn more, go to piaaccelerator.com slash go and sign up for the early bird special. And now back to the podcast. Other states, you know, you just contact the treasurer and then they issue you a treasurer's deed, uh, you know, once the time, time frame for redemption is passed. Uh, but Arizona, you need to go through an actual foreclosure. Excellent. Um, so you learned the Arizona system and how yeah, to so, work with it? So how, so basically how it came up was um, in 2009, you know, 2008, somewhere around there when the, when the crash happened, my father-in-law at the time said, oh, hey, you know, you should really look into tax liens because you can, you know, wind up getting homes, you know, for a couple grand. A lot of people don't know this yeah, either because I've I'm, been doing, like, I know I met you seven, eight years ago and you taught me about it, but like... I never heard yeah, about it. I had like, never heard of it as a lawyer. And uh -huh. so you know, it's not something they taught me in law school. And so I started looking into it. And sure enough, yeah, you, if you bought tax liens and you made it all the way to the end through the foreclosure process, they have super priority over uh, mortgages and judgments and, and most other liens that are recorded against the property. And so uh, if you're fortunate enough to make it to the end, you can wind up uh, with a uh, treasurer's deed and you wind up with title to the property. And so, um, and so, yeah, I learned that. So that was the other, the other pro to it uh -huh. uh, was, you know, you can either get interest or ultimately you, um, you get, get, the property, get the property. Right? And that's, that's ultimately the goal. And so, you know, it depends on um, um, the type of property that you're investing in. But I have found, uh, and I've been doing the tax lien foreclosures now since about 2010. And I love it so. because you actually invest in tax liens yourself yeah. so you not only like help people yeah. with it but you are a real example that is successful at doing it exactly so not only yeah not only do i represent people in the foreclosures i have a couple family companies that um that we do investing and that we've foreclosed on properties over the years um but uh yeah so what i have found is um you know vacant land you know you usually have the higher percentage of uh, uh making it all the way to the end uh Lower end residential, uh, typically uh, pretty decent opportunities there. Higher end residential, chances of getting all the way to the end are probably pretty slim. Because they give people a lot of opportunity, right, to yeah. make up those yeah. taxes? Well, you have, um, so yeah, you have five years from the date the taxes are due until the initial notice can go out by okay. the investor to start the foreclosure process. So there's a lot of opportunity. And even then, once, um, once they, the initial notice goes out uh, and when the foreclosure um, lawsuit is filed, there's still an opportunity. You can, you can redeem, the property owner can redeem the taxes all the way until the date of the default hearing um, through the foreclosure judgment process. So gotcha. there's a lot of, lot of opportunity for the property owner to, to, to come, come through and, and redeem. So, 
you know, you might hear the horror stories on the news. Oh, property tax liens, you know, we, they booted out this little old lady uh, mm -hmm. in, in, you know, the 12 years that I've been doing tax lien foreclosures. I've only seen that happen one time and this little right. the media yeah, tends yeah. to grab a story yeah. and just like yeah and this little old lady it. was not the innocent you know little old lady she was someone who knew how to to uh, work the system and didn't want to pay her property taxes and you know so um, <clears throat> it's very rare that 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 happens it's usually people that you know maybe have they've passed away without any heirs uh, it's usually people that um, you know maybe they're They've uh, moved out of the country. Uh, maybe they were an investor and, you know, <clears throat> for whatever reason, just let the property go. Um, I've seen some people that um, unfortunately have uh, uh, been on drugs, stopped paying their bills because they were on drugs. And gotcha. Seen, seen so that. there's a lot of ways uh, that yeah. people stop paying on yeah. their property. So where, John, would you recommend people watching go to learn about real property um, tax liens? So most of the county treasurers have a section on their website uh -huh. and um, that they have uh, frequently asked questions on there. Um, and so most counties, uh, they have the process on there. Uh, but you can also go to my website uh, at um, scottsdalelawyer.com uh, I'm with the law firm of Heimson, Goldstein, Pantillion and Lore. Excellent. And, we'll uh, put that in the link for you guys watching that, yeah, uh, where yeah. to find John's information. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I have um, uh, frequently asked questions on there, too, that talks about the process. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a couple different ways to go about buying the tax liens. Um, the first way is you can, um, the counties every year in February and March, they'll have an online auction. Uh, most of the counties, I think, are online now. There might be one. So or you don't actually go down no, to the courthouse yeah, like the old. Not anymore. Okay. Yeah, now it's all online. It's very easy to do. Uh, and in fact, the most counties will. Um, they are required by law to publish the the list of uh, tax liens that are available an entire month before the auction. Uh, and you you can go on the website and start actually bidding on the um, properties even before the auction. It's a blind auction. So if you're and how you bid is your interest rate. So, okay. so if you bid, you know, um, uh, you you know, if you want to bid two percent interest, you put in two percent interest on the website, and then if uh, if somebody else goes lower, then they wind up with the with the property. But if you're the lowest interest rate bidder, then you wind up getting the property on the auction website. Um, and then there's other opportunities too besides the auctions. Uh, if uh, there's there's properties that don't sell at the auction, I call them the leftovers. Uh, you can go directly to the treasurers, uh, usually in April, May, uh, and they'll have a list of uh, tax liens that are available, and you can buy them directly through the treasurers. And some they maybe have been sitting there for long enough to where you could immediately jump into filing the foreclosure lawsuit if they've wow. been sitting there for five years. Um, so yeah, a lot of lot of opportunities. Um, Is now a good time, John, for people to look into those? With I think any time. Yeah, anytime? I think any time is, is uh -huh. really good because um, yeah, there's there's a lot of tax. Sixteen percent interest. You were saying per annum. Potentially, yeah. Uh -huh. So if if uh, the way that that works is, if you're the only bidder or if you buy them over the counter, you're going to get sixteen percent per uh, per annum per year uh -huh. on your investment. So if you bought bought a tax lien that was, uh, you know, $10,000, you're going to get a 16% return, you know, uh, you know, $1,600 a year on your tax lien if they do redeem. So uh, the opportunities uh, are, are, are there for sure. That's awesome. And then the other way to, to buy the tax liens, you've got the auction, you've got the over the counter. Um, but there are a lot of investors who 
maybe they're just sitting on them and they don't actually want to do the foreclosure. They're just hoping that the uh, property owner will redeem. Um, you can get a list of who the uh, investors are and then ask if they're willing to sell you the tax liens. And I've, I've had some pretty success with that, pretty good success with that myself where, you know, people have come to me and, you know, said, hey, we don't want to do this foreclosure, but we're willing to sell you the tax lien. And so then I bought them and, and have foreclosed on their property. And so it sounds like a good niche to, yeah. to learn and to get yeah. into. And you would te you teach people that? I know you do a couple of seminars a year on that, right? Correct. Yeah, I do a seminar usually in December, January, where... I teach them the ins and outs of it. So if, um, yeah, every and, year you do that. Yeah, December, every year. January. So if you guys want to learn, yep. definitely check out John's website and yep. see what. And then if somebody wants, you know, an individual one-on-one -on -one thing, I'll um, they can schedule a consult with me. I do charge for that, but uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's but, yeah. your time. But uh, yeah, I can do a one-on-one -on -one consultation and teach them how to do it as well. So starting would just be to go to your website, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the information's out there already. You just have to read about it and yeah. figure out how to do it. So, but like anything, it's cut the curve. It's better to have an expert, absolutely, like yourself, absolutely. already yeah. doing it that yeah. can steer them from like messing up. Because exactly. I'm sure there's things that can go wrong. And yeah, there's like there's a anything. big laundry list of uh, potential cons for for. Um, I mean you're typically never going to lose your money. You'll okay. Get, you'll get your money back uh -huh. plus interest. Um, uh, even if like a property owner winds up filing a bankruptcy, you're still going to get your money back. Uh, and in fact, they, if they file bankruptcy, they still have to pay you hundred percent as a, as a tax lien holder, Ta you know, real property tax liens have to be paid hundred percent in a bankruptcy. So, um, even, even then the only time I've seen people lose money is there is a 10 year, 10 year statute of limitations, um, on, foreclosing one so if you bought the tax lien in 2008 uh and you're you know you didn't file the lawsuit before 2018 you know and all of a sudden 2022 you're thinking about foreclosing well you've missed the statute of limitations by four years so you pretty much lost your money uh that's really the only time i've seen people lose their money is uh just not timely acting not knowing the timing yeah correctly. And, that's, and that's it 10 years so if you don't if you don't foreclose within 10 years of buying the the lien, you know, you're, you're losing your money. So, uh, but that's rare. I've only seen that happen a few times. So. so when I think of attorneys, I think of conflict, I think of arguments. Is that all part of like law school? Cause I growing up never really knew attorneys or been around attorneys. And then in real life, as you get your own business, especially in real estate, if you want to do this full time guys, you need a real estate attorney on your team, because I don't know, how many times John's helped me out of a bind or, you know, I wrote a contract way back in the day. I wrote it personally. I wrote it on back of a napkin, practically <laughs> horrible contracts. So make sure you have part of your team, a real estate attorney. Is, yeah, absolutely. Is giant. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, if you go back east, um, most states, when you buy real estate or sell real estate, you know, you can't do a transaction without having a real estate lawyer. Canada's like that too, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, you wouldn't and you can't. I mean, uh -huh. It's I, not allowed, right? Yeah. It's closed at the attorney's office. Exactly. And so out west, a lot of the out, uh, states out here, you know, California, uh, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, a lot of the states out here, for some reason, um, you know, the attorneys kind of abrogated their role uh, in the purchase and sale of, of real estate. And uh, realtors do a lot of uh, the uh, the work that an, attor an attorney might do back east. 
but it's still not a bad idea to get an attorney involved if there's a unique situation. Just creative, like a lot of times we write up creative structures like yeah. sub twos, we do lease options. Abs I mean, that's absolutely. the stuff that you helped me with back in the day. Uh, absolutely. Like, I mean, the typical residential real estate contract that's been approved by the Department of Real Estate is a pretty good transaction or pretty good um, contract. For, solid contract. For, for, yeah. for transactions. But, you know, there might be some a unique situation or things that come up that, you know, uh, uh, an attorney might still uh, be needed to, to be consulted on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's still a good idea to talk to an attorney when you're uh, buying and selling a house, but... Um, what if people use the thought of attorneys are just too expensive? I, you know, I'd rather do this on my own and, you know, they, I know a lot of people just starting out like myself would think that way, but in the end it cost me more money by, yeah. you know, having to go through the attorney process. Yeah, especially when, um, when, when they, when realtors start going outside of the box, you know, when yep. they start putting, um, addendums to the contract that they're creating themselves, you know, um, and that happens a, quite a bit in our niche of creative deals. Everyone's battling trying to get this deal. So sure. who could be more creative in their addendums yeah. and how to write it? And, and so, you know, if it's not a, um, a standard addendum, uh, you know, definitely something that you want to run by an attorney saying, hey, is this language going to work? Um, in fact, I just had a, um, a case um, earlier in the year that we settled where um, one of these big uh, real estate companies that you see uh, their advertisements on billboards and on the radio and on TV, and I won't say who they are, but uh, some of the realtors just kind of uh, do things kind of haphazardly. And uh, we had a client that um, uh, they bought a, um, uh, or they sold the house, actually, they were, they were the sellers. They sold the house that had a, uh, a solar contract on it. Okay. And so um, they wanted their ideal when they sold the property, and this of course is when the market was hot and they could get anything they wanted, uh, they wanted the buyer to take over the, the solar contract. And uh, the realtor said, oh yes, yeah, the, the buyer's gonna do that, the buyer's gonna do that. And they, writ they wrote a very poorly worded uh, addendum they didn't use the solar addendum that the standard. So there's actually a, oh, there's a actual yeah, there, solar. There's actually a solar okay. contract addendum. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you know, solar panel, solar panel uh -huh. addendum. Because those are big in Arizona. Yeah. Like solar they is didn't, like there are leases yeah. too, right? You lease some of them. The yeah. solar, or do you buy those? most of them? Are leases, but okay. there are there are ones that you buy too. But uh, yeah, this one had a lease, and uh, the, the realtor just wrote her own language in there, and it was awful. Uh huh. And, and so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we out of time? Uh, so uh, yeah, it was it was a very poorly written uh, addendum, and anybody that looked at it, you know, the, the the seller thought it meant the buyer would take over the solar lease, and the buyer thought that it meant the seller is going to pay off the solar lease. Oh, so, so neither one understood because what... the the realtor wrote the the language so poorly, and nobody bothered to hire an attorney, and then of course uh, they're in escrow. And the buyer's saying, well, you know, I'm not paying this. You know, you were supposed to pay this. It's supposed to come out of your proceeds. And the seller's like, no, that's not what we thought. And the seller, just to get the deal done, they just they wanted to get the house sold. They they had to capitulate. So mm. we, had to, we had to actually sue the realtor for, um, you know, for not writing the appropriate language, for falling, falling below the standard so of care. They, so um, you represented the seller. No, no, I was not. I represented the seller after the fact. Oh, after the fact. After, okay. not, not during the sale. They, if they would have seen me 
during the sale, before that addendum was signed, I would have said, hey, use the standard addendum. Here's the gotcha, language you gotcha. need. This language is not going to fly. This is not going to work. Uh, so, But the know, buyer didn't use that standard. The, 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 sell, the seller didn't. Yeah, the seller's agent. The seller's agent didn't. So yeah. then they went after that realtor. We had to go after you, the realtor, yeah. And so so we realtors, said, be careful. Yeah. You, I mean... There's a, I don't know how many realtors are in our state now, but like there's a lot of realtors. So, yeah. and you were mentioning earlier, John, that um, as an attorney, you're seeing clients come to you going after the realtors in the middle. Yeah, like, especially uh, with what's happening now in the down, kind of the slowdown, slowdown. of the market is, um, you know, when the things were really hot and it was definitely a seller's market. Uh, there were a lot of realtors that were telling uh, their clients, don't worry about the SPUDs, the seller's property disclosure statement. Don't worry about the home inspection. Uh, don't worry about uh, a Benzer, you know. Which right, is, right. You know, so a lot of those things were just, like, I know um, the inspections have been waived. You know, it's very competitive. We want the house. Yeah. Like, and now, and now what's happening now that the market's slowing and, and the values are starting to, to slow down and or decrease uh -huh. uh, people are looking at their contracts and people are looking at some defects in their homes and they're saying well I didn't know this was here and mm. you know this but the home you know didn't have a home inspection or the seller didn't disclose this and that's a big one if you're selling property you want to disclose everything yeah um, I, I, I absolutely advocate for sellers make sure when you fill out that seller's property disclosure statement you read it carefully you're answering the questions genuinely 100 percent. So, and your realtor guys who's representing you as the seller hopefully they're directing and educating you yeah. as the seller because if they're not you're not with the right realtor right oh like, exactly and you know one of the biggest things that i um I, I do a lot of failure to disclose lawsuits and uh -huh. one of the biggest areas that the sellers fail to understand is there's a lot of questions that may say something like um did you uh, do you now have or did you ever have roof problems do you you know or the pool did you ever have problems with your pool either past or present, you know, the past, that's past or present. And so a lot of sellers will say, well, I don't have anything wrong with it now. I don't need to disclose that I put, you know, a new roof on, you know, two years ago, right, right. you know, because of the rain damage <laughs> or something. And so, you know, but a buyer needs to know that information. hundred percent. And, and so, again, that you're looking to the expert, the realtor, exactly. because you don't do this every day as a seller, if you're just a mom and pop selling yeah. your property. So that is what I'm saying. Get with it educated experienced realtor who knows the law because that's the worst thing if they come after you yeah. after the fact um i just had a um, situation where i um put a property up for sale it's sold in like two days uh bread and butter two hundred fifty-five thousand. they did their inspection um during that time i don't know if we had rain or what but there was a leak so um you know, th now there's negotiation. They come back, ask for things. I told my realtor just offer them X amount um, and 2000 or whatever for all the repairs. So we didn't have to do them, but um, they ended up canceling, which, you know, time-wise it, for whatever reason, we had the leak right during their inspection. But my realtor said, let's take it off the market flip. And we fully need to disclose this fact that you had water damage at this this month i'm like 
100%. Brett. Yeah, you're, great you're, advice. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. As soon as we get the next buyer, we're going to disclose that fully in the spuds because that's the last thing yeah. we want someone to come back at us for mold or sure. you know something that you you didn't disclose as the seller absolutely so. And, and so uh yeah so the uh so the disclosure is very important and um but like i said the a lot, a lot of realtors were telling their clients to waive it to waive disclosures waive home inspections which is just in my mind just you're you're you know home for a lot of people is one of the largest investments they're ever going to make. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, why wouldn't you want to know what's going on with this? You know, you're not going to go out and buy, you know, a uh, hundred shares of some stock without knowing what's going on with that company. You know, why would you not want to know what's going on with your home? And for sure. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I have a feeling, and like I said, I, I've had a couple cl uh, clients uh, consult with me in the last few weeks about how their realtors didn't, you know, didn't advise them saying, Hey, you should, you should have this done. You know, they were, the realtors were more interested in just getting the, 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 the deal sale, done. pretty much the commission. Yeah. So again, I deal with a lot of investors that we also do with realtors, but I feel like realtors should, they, they, they have to, um, take their classes and their credentials and stuff, but it seems like they would want to get with a good real estate attorney too to have on their team as Absolutely. a realtor so yeah. these problems don't occur just to protect themselves yeah. so so if, yeah if a, if a realtor or a broker came to me and said hey we want to get this sale done should we advise our client to to waive the home inspection I would say absolutely not. Right. <laughs> Should we waive the seller's property disclosure statement? I would say absolutely not. And if you do, you're probably falling below the standard of care for a realtor, and you're probably going to wind up getting bit in the in the booty later on when uh, something is found. And you're details gonna up, always you're gonna matter. Up sued, details so. always matter. Yeah. Just from experience, trying to make up or not make well, wrote, writing my own contracts. Like I did it early on and. It was a big mistake. I, that's how you and I met like yep. eight years ago to help me yep. out of that West Side deal. But um, and I did, by the way. <laughs> you did. You did. We ended up getting, uh, you know, the best situation that yep. that we could with that one. Yep. So that's how we met through that. Um, what is going to happen now with the market, John? I know that we don't have a crystal ball, but you're seeing some shifts you mentioned the prices are i mean we've had 27 percent appreciation in arizona last year so i mean yeah. that went straight through the roof so stabilization is probably good for locally the economy i'd say or what what do you think on that you know um as um as a home seller obviously i think um there are some concerns you know with interest rates going up you know money's getting you know money's tightening up and so um, I think you're, we're seeing kind of the trend that homes are staying on the market a little bit longer over the last few months, and um, and maybe people aren't willing to, you know, take out that 30-year fixed with a you know five six percent interest rate. So um, you know, so I, I think we are going to see a little bit of slowdown. We're probably going to see, um, you know, maybe home prices come down a little bit, not not dramatically like they did uh, in the crash, but I think maybe right. a little bit. Um, I think we're going to see less and less um, of, um, you know, we saw over the last, you know, two years, sellers were getting over asking price. I don't think we're yeah. going to see that anymore. I'd be shocked if we still continued to see that. 
Um, and we got but, spoiled too, again, where properties were selling like yeah. overnight and like, that's not a normal cycle though, no. right? That's not, well, no, you're you 23, know, 22 years, that's exactly, anomaly. Yeah. Exactly, well, and, and I, uh, like I, I personally, I was um, thinking about buying a home about a year ago, um, selling the house that I had owned or that I own still. And um, so there's another neighborhood um, right, right pretty close to where I live now and it has uh, nicer homes than what I, what I currently, uh, or nicer and newer homes. Uh -huh. And so uh, my wife and I found a home that was for sale and um, you know, uh, they were asking like 675 for it. And um, you know, we put in an offer, you know, I talked to a realtor, talked to a mortgage company, and uh, you know, we thought, we felt the price was, was overpriced and so we wound up, you know, going in and trying to make an offer for like six twenty-five, which we found out was a mistake. But um, they ultimately sold it for like fifty thousand over their listing price. And so when was that? That was a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So, so interesting to yeah. fast forward. Yeah. Now a I, year. I guarantee you they wouldn't be doing that. There so. was one in Scottsdale that we were looking at, and right before our um, Coronado trip. Um, Old Town Scottsdale, we're gonna make it into a, you know, one of the Airbnbs down there. Um, and at the time it was seven, 750. Um, soon as I saw that deal about a week later, four other homes went on the market yeah. in that neighborhood at 625 or approximately that much. So yeah. that seller had to come way down on yeah. their price because just within that time period, the market in that area, like other people were listing yeah. and it just dropped their value too. And there's opportunities still for, you know, um, obviously I'm not a lender, but um, you know, I know that there's opportunities for still um, low interest rate loans that you can get an arm and you know a lower lower rate and then you know maybe when the economy improves and the interest rates go back down they can refinance um, that's a good strategy to get yeah. into a property for sure but you know obviously they need to talk to a lender about that but um, uh, the concern obviously would be that if the interest rates don't go back down then you know you're stuck with maybe an arm that that's you know it's fixed to the you know the um, you know the national rate and then you know, you're, you're paying a lot more uh, yeah. a couple years down the road. So you, you do have to be careful with that. So, Hey guys, quick announcement. I just launched my new passive income accelerator course. In this course, you'll learn how I built my Airbnb portfolio to 10 properties and growing while amassing three to $5,000 per property per month. If you want to learn more, go to piaaccelerator.com slash go and sign up for the early bird special. And now back to the podcast. I mean, back in my dad's day, I think 18%, they paid yeah. some 22%, yeah. some crazy rates back in yeah. that historic Yeah, I think my time. dad, when he bought his first house in California, I think that's what the interest rates were in his similar. Number, so yeah. yeah, but they were paying twelve thousand for twenty thousand yeah. <laughs> on a house. So much it, cheaper. Yeah. Much cheaper. Yeah. So, um, as a career, John, if someone's considering law school or like, what are your thoughts um, for a young person? You know, obviously, you're you're advising to go to um, higher education because you grew up quite a bit through there. You learn how to learn. Yeah. And, uh, but if they want to, you know, target like yourself starting at a young age 
you knew you wanted to go to law school, um, what would you tell someone? Uh, keep your grades up. Uh, you know, look look at the long term. You know, get a good mentor. Um, you know, someone if you're really thinking about law school, you know, maybe talk to family and friends and see if they have a lawyer friend that actually enjoys the law. Right, right. Enjoys the practice. Because uh, when you think of uh, law, like you think of divorce attorneys. Yeah, there, there's of, plenty of like attorneys out there that don't enjoy actually being an attorney. <laughs> right. So make sure right. you find a, a good mentor that actually enjoys being a lawyer. I do enjoy being a lawyer. I mean, as it's, it has its ups and downs some days, but uh, for the most part, I, I enjoy. You found doing it. something you really yeah. like. Yeah, and I help. I like help. I help people. I, I feel like I, you know, I, I like helping people, and um, and you know the uh, the income's not too bad either. So <laughs> absolutely. So yeah. So, yeah it's, and, uh, and now you have your own firm. You had mentioned. Yeah. So I um, I started off as an associate attorney, uh, what uh, twelve years ago with the law firm that I work for now, and. You know, at some point I became a partner and uh, I have two other partners in my firm now. So it's just the three of us. And, awesome. Uh, then we have. Uh, Is it all um, real estate? No, no. Um, so I have, we have a few associates that work for us too, but um, my, my primary area of practice is real estate law, real estate litigation. Um, but I do a little bit of um, intellectual property law, like trademarks, copyrights. Um, I do some construction law still, although very rarely. Um, and then uh, our firm does um, personal injury. We do wills and trusts, uh, probate, uh, some employment law. Uh, so we do a wide variety of things. Uh -huh. so, yeah. And do you actually mentor young lawyers wanting to get into the business? I, I have done that in the past. Yeah, uh -huh. if a young lawyer contacts me and you know, uh, we've had um, some interns that we've mentored. Uh, young associates, uh, but also just people that I, I have mentored. I met um, uh, someone at the bar convention a few years ago, and uh, they asked to be mentored when they were um, they were in their third year of law school. It's and, the best way to learn. Uh, studying yeah. for the bar exam, and so I was able to to help them out, and and so yeah, occasionally I'll get I'll get calls like that. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, do you remember a mentor that helped you with? Yeah, see, that's why I do recommend a good mentor because I did not have one. And, okay. And, I, you know, I think I would have saved myself a lot of grief and aggravation if I actually had a good mentor. Right, that, right. That's why I see the, the value of, of being a mentor Grief to meaning like trying to figure it out on yeah, your exactly, own? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Really trying to figure it out. And uh, so I, I really wish I would have found a, a good mentor, you know, when I was going to college and law school, and, and I really didn't do that. So Yeah, yeah. it now mentoring people it, it helps them and I really enjoy yep. helping people learn about real estate you enjoy the law aspect so it's pretty cool and also I want to compliment you because you like I, I know some lawyers out there but they're not into uh, networking I noticed you know when we first met you came to all the events and you always showed up which you know I know you're busy as an attorney oh, you sure. have a lot of clients but you made time for networking has that always been like something you were uh, involved in or how did you start doing so like, yeah, the networking? Um, so yeah, I, I really started um, networking probably in about uh, 2006, 2007. Um, uh, so uh, do you remember the Buffini program? Uh, did you ever? I, I'm not part of that? With that one. So Brian Buffini, uh, he was, um, I think he still has a, a real estate um, program out there, but um, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah so a lot uh -huh. of realtors go to that or used to. And so one of my uh, former partners uh, was really into the Buffini program and 
um, uh, advocated that our firm do it. And, and so can we, we kind of adopted the Buffini program uh, for ourselves and, um, and uh, you know, do the, you know, they have a, um, like a client appreciation program where they send out items of value every month and write, you know, letters to their clients. And so we started doing stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, so then I started uh, branching out from that to, to going and speaking before, uh, you know, uh, real estate companies and, and brokers and their, and their, uh, their realtors. And, and yeah, so I like to, I like to get out and, and shake hands and, yeah. and see the people and yeah. meet the people. So, the old uh, fashioned way. I think yeah. sometimes like professionals, um, get so busy. Cause I know you sit, um, as a judge too, right? From time to time. Occasionally. Or? Yeah. I'm uh -huh. also a, a judge pro tem part-time judge for Maricopa County Superior Courts. And so, yeah, probably like once a month I'll do a settlement conference or sit on the bench, but, uh, usually the, the settlement conferences are, are more what I do, uh -huh. but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I donate my time. I don't get paid for that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a good system. I, I, I mainly do it cause, um, you know, I have a judge badge, so it's my get out of jail free cards. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how all that worked. <laughs> That's cool. Sorry. That's cool. So, uh, we're going to wrap it up here guys, but is there anything else you would want to share with the audience and let them know as far as cutting the curve and, you know, the whole real estate industry and what you're, um, yeah, you know, uh, just remember, um, you know, when you're doing a unique transaction, uh, that's outside the cookie cutter, you know, make sure you talk to an experienced real estate lawyer, that's big. Yeah. Uh, like myself. Um, also, um, you know, if there uh, if there's an opportunity to um, learn more, if you want to learn more about the uh, real estate uh, tax lien investing, you know, reach out to me. Um, so I, yeah, there's a few ways you can do that. Uh, we have uh, a website at scottstilllawyer.com. I'm with the law firm of uh, Heimson Goldstein Pantilli. At and how do you, it's so, use the letters because that's a little easier yeah, for me. <laughs> uh, Scottsdale-lawyer.com. So. Scottsdale. Oh, you mean my law firm? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Heimson Goldstein Pantilli and Lohr, uh, HGPL. Okay, because so, yeah. all I remember is trying to write that on the check. Yeah, <laughs> HGPL. Like, HGPL. Yeah. <laughs> that was much easier, but that's that's great. You have partners and like we're all about teams too because yeah. it, it you can't do everything, right? So providing value to your clients that yeah. have and, other things and, going on. And I have a I have a good team in addition to my partners who, who do other areas of law. I have my own personal uh, team that works for me. I have uh, two and a half legal assistants uh, plus a probate uh, paralegal, and then I have uh, two associate attorneys, and then uh, um, uh, and another attorney who's about to uh, take the bar exam that work for me, and and so I have a good team that that handles all my uh, you know that ha you know assists me with uh, yeah all our tax lien foreclosures and and real estate litigation. So. Just I know anytime we did anything, John, the communication, you guys, your team's always communicating, which oh, it's key. made my life easy. It's like, the number one bar complaint for lawyers is not communicating with their clients. Interesting. And so um, we take pride in the fact that we are very prompt when we respond to our clients. We have an office policy that you have to return phone calls within 24 hours. And we usually do that in less than that. Yep. You know, so that's, but you, you hear about people all the time. My lawyer never calls me back. My lawyer never e emails right, me back. Right. And so I um, don't know what each client yeah. is worth to you, but like to 
for me, it's always been like work with those people and keep working with them instead of yeah. trying to generate other more clients. Exactly, exactly. And my clients mainly come from, um, you know, referrals and uh, word of mouth. Yep. And so if I'm not, um, you know, servicing my clients well, um, yeah, they're not coming back to me and they're, right, not, they're right. not referring me out. Yeah. And, so and that's I, the best business yeah. is referral business. I would much rather have the referral business than some person that found me on Google. So. For sure. For sure. <laughs> no offense to Google, but <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I learned a ton today, John. Thank you for being here on Cut the Curb. You guys, I hope you enjoyed episode seven. Um, share it um, with your friends, your family, like it. And then uh, we'll definitely put John's info in the um in the podcast here on YouTube, um, the Airbnb climb. And then, um, yeah, this has been great, John. Great. I I've enjoyed being with you. Thank you. a lot. And yeah. Hope I don't see you too often. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully but, on positive things. So. You, yes, just on growing the business, yeah. growing yeah. the business. The, so. the next multi-million dollar deal that you have, you need me to review the contract. For so. sure. For sure. <laughs> Cause I'm, we're scaling up and, uh, this luxury business it will be, something I'll be talking to you more about. So great. great having you, John, and take care, guys. See you on the next Cut the Curve. Thanks again.